Welcome to the Exodus Cry podcast, where we have honest conversations around exploitation, trafficking, sexual culture, and justice. Today, we're joined by Kristen Jensen, author of the best-selling book, Good Pictures, Bad Pictures, Porn Proofing Today's Young Kids, and founder of the nonprofit Defend Young Minds. Thank you for watching. Kristen, thank you so much for joining us on our podcast. We're so grateful to have you. Um, your book has gained so much traction, good pictures, bad pictures, and you've written a number of other books as well. But it really raises this issue of how do you talk to children about this very sensitive issue of pornography? And so I'd love to start there of like, what inspired you to write this book? Yeah, what's a nice girl like me writing books about <laughs> pornography for kids? Uh, well, I actually never wanted to do anything like this with my mm. life. But I met a woman, a mother of a large family. She was trying so hard to protect her children from pornography and from sexual abuse uh, that she had endured actually as a child. And uh, what happened was, you know, her worst nightmare. And that is her oldest son um, was physically sexually abused as a young child, but then he got into porn, which fueled him to then go and sexually abuse his younger brothers and sisters. So this was a large family. He basically was um, doing sexual things with uh, the four-year-old up to the 14-year-old. And some pretty bad things came uh, about as a result of that. But the next morning after I heard this story, such a tragic story, because she really, really tried so hard to protect them, and... Um, I just had this thought that, you know, kids, parents need an easier way to begin this conversation. And I started to do some research and I just felt like I should write a book, a read aloud book that would make it comfortable and easy for parents to broach this topic. So that's that's how it all started. It took three years to get it out there, but I've uh, been going strong ever since. Wow. I commend you for taking such an assertive uh, response to this issue. It's something that I have, um, situations that I have dealt with as well. It's so disturbing when you hear about childhood exposure to porn and then the impact of that that can affect so many other people's lives. Absolutely. And I'm curious, what was your approach in writing the book? Like how... It's, it seems like a difficult subject to kind of navigate um, because of the sensitive age. Uh, how, what was your approach like for that? Well, I wanted it to be a conversation between a parent and a child because that's really where the power lies, is that okay. relationship between the parent and the child. And so I wanted it to be a conversation. I wanted to show a mother and a father being proactive talking to their child about pornography. Um, I wanted to give kids a definition of pornography so they can recognize it when they see it. Um, just a simple definition, right? Not the whole thing. And what is that, if you don't mind me asking? Sure, sure. So in the book, uh, in Good Pictures, Bad Pictures, it goes something like this. Uh, bad pictures or pornography are pictures, videos, or even cartoons of, of people with little or no clothing on 
that focuses on the private parts of the body that we keep covered with the swimsuit. Mm. So it's it's basically, it's a very simple, age-appropriate definition. Obviously, it's not nuanced. You know, I get criticized for not being nuanced sometimes. But when you're talking with a seven-year-old, you know, you really, if you know anything about the mind of a seven-year-old, uh, a child, you know that they need something very simple um, just so they can recognize it. Totally. So let's say a parent calls you. They are upset because they just learned that their seven-year-old, eight-year-old, nine-year-old, ten-year-old has just been exposed to pornography. Mm -hmm. They went on a device. They discovered, oh my gosh, look at what they've been looking at. Or however that information was found out. How do you counsel parents in that situation to navigate that with their child? Yeah, and I've been in that situation many times. So, first of all, I want to say that we have some resources on the website defendyoungminds.com. We have a um, guide for parents to get them started talking about pornography called How to Talk to Kids About Pornography. And then we have a guide because of this, what you're, you've asked me about, you know, what do you do after? So my kids saw porn, now what? And we have a whole guide with our best, you know, curated information about that. But basically, it's kind of similar. I mean, you want to teach children what they've just seen and why it's harmful and what to do when they see it again. You want to give them a definition, a warning, and a plan, which are all in good pictures, bad pictures. But then there are a lot of other questions. So I would, the first thing I would say is stay calm. Mm -hmm. Stay calm. You don't have to jump at this and solve this and do something about this right away. You can think about it. And you really would do yourself and your child a lot of good to just pull back, remain calm, and say, I need to think about this. And then um, stay calm, then make a plan. Mm -hmm. So how are you going to deal with this? What are you going to do? What And then what questions are you going to get answered? And I would say we have a list of several questions that you probably want to get answered about how they got into pornography, uh, how they saw it, who showed it to them, you know, what they saw. And then you're going to want to, um, you know, again, assess how they felt, how they felt, how they mm -hmm. feel, how it made them feel. Mm -hmm. Because porn is tricky. It can make you feel, um, you know, kind of excited or interested, intrigued. And it can make kids feel also disgusted and repulsed. And when you have those two separate feelings, it's difficult for them as children to navigate that. So I think that... The first thing, though, the first principle is that just stay calm, and then you can start that journey of figuring things out step by step. Have you observed a difference between children who have, let's say, gone through your book with their parents before ever being exposed to porn, and then maybe eventually get exposed to porn, and how that impacts them, versus the child who has no knowledge of anything, is exposed to porn and how that impacts them? Absolutely. Mm. Yeah, lots of stories that definitely pertain to that question. So for example, um, 
A mom told me about her 11-year-old daughter. She was in fifth grade. She was going on a bus to, you know, go on a field trip. And she was sitting next to her friend, her girlfriend, and a boy came up and showed them pornography. Well, this little girl, her mom had read her good pictures, bad pictures. She knew exactly what was happening, and she turned away, went home, told her mom. But her friend stayed looking, uh. stayed engaged, stayed like did not know what had hit her, and she stayed, you know, looking at this material. So I think there really is a difference. Children have a real choice when they are empowered with, you know, digital defense skills, with with knowledge, right? I don't know about you, Benji, but when I'm caught off guard, I don't do very well at all. Yeah. I make mistakes. Right. And kids do too. And so we can't expect them to make a good choice if we've never, uh, you know, on our website, it says kids can learn to reject pornography, but learn, that's the word, right? We have to teach them um, what to do when they see it. That's so good. Another example is um, a young boy who was like nine years old. His mom had read him, good pictures, bad pictures. And he went to school three days later and uh, a friend on the playground, brought out his phone, his smartphone, and showed him pornography. So he knew exactly, okay, my mom warned me about this. I know exactly what to do. And he went home and he said, mom, I was scared, but I knew what to do. Wow. So that's That's, just one of my favorite stories. Like, oh, just the weight of it coming off. It's so empowering. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think is the biggest challenge for parents in having these conversations around sex, sexuality, gender, pornography, like everything dealing with, um, you know, these more private aspects of our um, humanity and just our sexuality? And um, what do you see as like the biggest challenge for them? Yeah. Well, first of all, they may not have had a very good experience being taught these things from their parents. So they really don't have a vision of how to get started. And even if they know how to talk to their kids about sex or they use a book, they certainly don't know like what to do about the counterfeit, which is pornography. And they don't even, so many parents don't even see that, that their kids could get into this, right? And so I feel that when any of us are like a little concerned or anxious or we don't know what to do, we hesitate, mm-hmm. right? And so a lot of parents hesitate, like, you know, we're busy, I'll do that tomorrow maybe, I'll find something, you know? And so we put it off. Mm-hmm. Um, I think another thing is that parents are worried that kids will be so curious if you start talking to them about pornography that they'll jump right into it and then it'll be their fault. <laughs> mm. And that maybe if they could just like, you know, cross their fingers and hope their kids don't don't see it, you know, that that's the better plan. But that has not been working. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> I think it's really important for children to understand how valuable their bodies are mm-hmm. and that there's no shame right. in having private parts, all of... Yep. that. So is there any concern that by saying, well, this is a bad picture because it's showing more of the body that they would, that there would be some kind of 
offloaded shame as a result of that. Like, well, this person is, you know, in less clothes. So that's just inherently shameful. And then the child internalizes that into their own understanding of their own body. Like, oh, this is something to be ashamed of. Is that a concern? Well, I can understand why people would have that concern. Again, we're dealing with children. Mm -hmm. So we have to be clear and and more concrete. But if I can show you in my book, I'll I'll show you exactly what it is that we do. We talk about pornography and we talk about how every, okay, pornography shows the parts of the body that we keep private, like the parts we cover with a swimsuit. Every part of our body is good, Mm. including our private parts. But taking pictures of them and showing them to others is not good. It's important for your safety to keep private parts private. So it's just not a good thing for kids to do. It's very simple. Yeah. But perfect for a child, though. Yeah. Yeah. I don't believe any parts of our body are bad or shameful or anything. It's just not safe to be showing, especially for children, to be showing certain parts of their bodies. So you know, knowing, publicly. knowing kids, they the follow-up question is, well, why is it bad to take a picture of it? Yeah, why is it bad to take a picture? Because it can be shared, and then um, people can use that. Weaponize it. Weaponize it, can use it against yeah. you, and they can do things. That this is, and that's a really good question. Um, and this is another tip, though, for parents. If you get in a situation where a child asks you a question and you're like, I don't even know how to begin to answer right, that. Right. You can always say, you know what? That's a great question. I'm going to think about that yeah. and we'll get back. I'll talk to you tomorrow. You yeah. know? Um, so it's important that, you know, and I can't answer every single question a child might come up with. Sure. However, when we talk about safety, we talk about sextortion. Kids are getting sextorted for pictures. Kids are getting, mm-hmm. you know, and when they're looking at, if they're looking at pornography and this is becoming normalized to them, then what's the big deal of them taking a picture of themselves and giving it to their friend uh, that they found in their video game, right? Right. Um, and it is difficult to explain the whole nasty web of, sure. um, you know, sexploitation to a, to a young child. So I wouldn't go into all of it, Yeah. but I would say that there are very unsafe things that can happen with that picture and it can lead people to do unsafe things with children. Yeah. So the goal through this book is to create a framework for children to understand the value of their own bodies and the danger of it being photographed or the danger of being exposed to other people's photographed nude bodies. In your mind, is there certain age groups where the conversation becomes more mature? Like what does it look like when they're three to six versus six to nine versus nine to 12 versus 12 to 15? How do you see that conversation evolving throughout their childhood? Right. Yes, and it should, because what a child needs to know at three is very different than 10, very different than 13 and on. So um, 
I've actually done a lot of study about this age age by age progression, age by age recommendations uh, to raise you know children that are resilient to pornography at a, at every age. So I would say that the simple messages when you're three, the simple messages are. This is what a bad picture is. I like to use the word pornography, but some parents are not, you know, comfortable with that yet. But um, I like to use that word. And then, you know, this is, it's like in the junior book, it's like, you know, picture poison. And we don't want to do that to our brains. And so um, here's a plan, you know, turn, run, and tell. And so it's very simple. But then the, as they get older, this book for seven to 11 year olds, this book is really about addiction, how you have a thinking brain and a feeling brain and how those two work together and how pornography can trick the brain into an addiction and why that's a bad thing, <laughs> why right. that's not good for you for, or for anyone yeah. to develop an addiction in their brain. So how do we keep our brain safe um, and really this can cover all forms of addiction, all different kinds of addictions. We know that porn addiction is similar, if not exactly the same, you know, kinds of um, neurochemical reactions as, you know, alcohol and, you know, drugs and gambling and other mm -hmm. kinds of addictions. So, so important that we teach children. We are living in a society that is awash with addictive substances and behaviors you know video games can be very addicting right and there and our our phones you know these very smart people figure out how they can make them even more addicting yes. and so what's a little child going to do up against that so it's very important to teach our children about their brains and how to keep their brains safe from addictions of all kinds but why pornography in specific? That is because that's the one addiction a young children, a young child can easily fall into. Yeah, fall yeah. into. Thank you. Um, there's so many. I mean, we pretty much have learned to protect kids from tobacco, right? Um, we're even worried about vaping now. Right, and, you know, right. we're laws and. And all these kinds of things, alcohol, we, you know, you can't buy alcohol unless you're 21 in most states. So, uh, but we don't, aren't doing the same thing with pornography. They have easy access through apps, social media, and there's just no iron gate at this point. So that's why we need to teach kids to have an internal filter um, to help them um, reject pornography so that it doesn't hurt them. Yeah, that's so helpful. And um, like I said before, it's I think it's so empowering for a child just to at least be granted a conversation, at least be given some kind of point of reference for this. It's, it's I think, when kids are just absolutely blindsided that it can become very dangerous. And unfortunately, in the absence of ongoing, healthy, age-appropriate conversations, with kids about their bodies and sexuality and these things, so many are being hijacked by pornography and getting their sexual education from that. And um, so I really appreciate the work that you're doing. Um, 
Oh, can I just say one thing? Sure. You mentioned how how to how it should you know mature with the child. Yes, yes. So these books were written for kids even before you've talked you know about sex, right? Even though we really recommend you start earlier, but as they get older, you know you can bring up these um, problems with pornography, how it fuels sexual exploitation, how it fuels sex trafficking, how it objectifies and dehumanizes people, and how watching it and looking at it can lead to higher rates of sexual aggression and riskier sex among children. So, I mean, we can give them these facts as they grow up um, and just give them more and more reasons to reject it. They need a lot of really good reasons to reject pornography. Most kids have been exposed to pornography by age 13. Some are addicted even as young as six. So how is pornography shaping the lives of impressionable children and adolescents? Our documentary, Raised on Porn, exposes the ways pornography has become the new sex education for children and unpacks the dangerous lifelong implications of this global phenomenon. I was like, this is my chance of actually getting pornography for myself. The film features real stories of childhood exposure paired with experts who weigh in on the reality children are facing. It's absolutely impossible for them to resist this kind of stimulus. It's already garnered millions of views and 93% of viewers polled said it inspired them to be more proactive in protecting their children from porn. You can watch Raised on Porn for free on YouTube or go to raisedonporn.com. For you, you heard about this story through a friend and decided to write this book. Had you been doing anything prior to that in early childhood development or psychology or? No. <laughs> wow, just a no. concerned citizen. Yes. What was your prior professional so background? I have, a, I have a degree in English literature. <laughs> I like to write, and I have, a, I have a degree in organizational communication, wow. which is like training adults, yeah. right? And so I did that in a corporate world many years ago, uh, and so I had just been basically raising my family, and I honestly didn't have any... I had some friends that were psychologists, and I had, you know... I had started to hear about some of these problems with porn addiction, but I had, no, I was, a, I, I just felt compelled. Like it began to feel like this is part of the reason I'm on the planet. And people will say, oh, you know, I commend you, like you said earlier, but it's like, honestly, I don't think I could have done anything different. Yeah. Like I had to do this. My kids at the time were kind of launched into college and I thought, you know, maybe this will just help my grandkids. Yeah. And and I now I have grandkids. So which is awesome. <laughs> That's so awesome. They're worth all the all the trouble of raising children is when you get grandkids. Um, <laughs> but and we do. I have two grandsons. We do read them good pictures, bad pictures, and we're getting ready for this uh, next older one. But yeah, um, I think I don't know what else you're going to do. Yeah. You've got to teach kids about the dangers that are out there, the real dangers, not the dangers that were there when you were a kid, right? right? right. But the dangers that are actually real 
in their digital world. And there's a lot we can do to keep kids from, you know, you can put limits on how much they watch. You can put filters on, which is great. I totally recommend it. But they're going to walk out your house, out yeah. of your house. Right. And then they're going to be able to see whatever. So they need an internal filter. They need really good reasons. Um, and I would just say one more thing is that kids that, even young children, because pornography is used as a grooming tool, it is like the number one grooming tool yes. for sexual predators. Correct. Then when a child learns about pornography and learns to recognize it and reject it, know what to do, they are safer from that child abuse. Um, I have several different stories where a child, and I'll just tell you one, there was a six-year-old little boy, his mom had read him, good pictures, bad pictures. They went over to a friend's house for dinner. Very innocent, just gonna go over, have dinner. Well, their friends had been doing some renovations and they had put all the toys down at the basement by the stairs so the kids could run down there, get a toy and come back up. And this little boy went down there and he's, you know, he's looking around, trying to figure out the perfect toy to get when, and he's obviously alone because the renter came up with his cell phone and showed him gay porn on on the phone and said, you know, started to groom him and say how fun this would be. And um, that little boy recognized he knew he knew a couple of things. One, that he was seeing pornography. Two, that no adult should ever show a child pornography. We make that very clear. Um, and three, he knew exactly what to do. He went ran up the stairs and he told his mom. I think that was the end of that. Um, wow. But he saved himself. That's cool. And, you know, I don't want to say that children are responsible for keeping themselves safe. Right. But there are some things that they can do and knowledge that they can have so that they are more protected from um, sexual abuse. And like I said, I have so many other stories, but that one really shows very clearly how that young child got out of a dangerous situation. Yeah, absolutely. That's so good. Um, I love your story because we've had so many people on who were not intending to work in this space of you know, fighting trafficking, fighting porn, protecting children, all of this, but then something happened in their life and some people responded, well, different people responded differently according to their own kind of unique subjective um, passion, interest, area of concern. And I, I love it. I love that, you know, you were just simply a concerned citizen who had a gift for writing and decided I'm going to do something with my gift to help make a difference in this issue. And I, I love that because I want our listeners to feel empowered. Like there's so many people who ask us, you know, what can I do? And my response is, I don't know, what can you do? <laughs> you know, <laughs> like <laughs> um, there surely there is something you can do. Um, and uh, everyone's, you know, gifted differently, has a different life experience and can do something. And this book has become enormously popular and useful and, and powerful for um, for so many kids and, and parents. And it's amazing. 
It's amazing. Yeah, I, I'm amazed too. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have believed it if I didn't hadn't lived it myself. And honestly, it was not something I ever saw myself doing. Yeah. <laughs> it was kind of like, I got this idea, write this book. And I thought it'll take a couple of weeks in the summer, but that was <laughs> a pipe dream. And it took three years, but I had lots of help and lots of parents. Um, I'm kind of a methodical person. Like, I'm not going to just write something up and throw it out there, right, especially right. this kind of sensitivity, right. this kind of topic. So basically, I wrote it. I kept writing it. I tossed some things out. I'd have parents read it to their kids, give me feedback on the vocabulary, the language, how long it was. Anyway, did a lot of testing and iterations and continued to learn myself about the problem. But... Um, yeah, you know, everybody can do something. Yeah. And if you just think about it, you can do something to be part of the solution and not um, allow and not become part of just, um, you know, well, somebody else will take care of that right, problem. Right, right. But I don't know. I do feel like, honestly, to this day, I look back and I'm like, I don't know. I mean, it, 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 I don't know why I seem to have. I, I think it was such a need. Yes. It filled a need and I yeah. and I crafted it very carefully yeah. and got lots of input. The main thing is I didn't rely on this brain, right? Right. I relied on a lot of other brains yeah. to help me. And I try to do that because one brain isn't going to do this, uh, isn't going to make it. So, um, yeah, I just, I feel like um, it's been very helpful to parents they just, it's just a very comfortable way to start yes. that conversation. And we um, encourage parents at Defend Young Minds to get the facts, arm the kids, and continue the conversation, and then rinse and repeat, right? Just keep getting the facts. It doesn't have to be this huge project, but follow us on Instagram or Facebook or um, look at our articles. Uh, we produce a lot of quality content. And so keep yourself, you know, and I know parents are busy out there, but this can make such a huge difference in the lives of their children. Absolutely. So it's worthy of some time and some thought. I'm sure you've gotten so many testimonies and feedback from so many different people. How have um, child psychologists responded to your book? Yeah, they love it, actually. Yeah, I bet. I was just at a, a counseling conference, huge counseling conference, and... Look at you. It was just, like, amazing. <laughs> I was... Well, the thing is, is I, I don't have it. a PhD, right? <laughs> I, I don't have it. a PhD. I don't even have a master's in counseling. I don't want to shatter any one's illusions out there, but I don't have an anti-trafficking <laughs> degree either. So <laughs> we're on equal, we're on equal there you footing. Go. That's good. Yeah. Well, I had, so when I first started writing this book, I had a neighbor and I went over there one day and I said, you know, I just want to get your feedback. Um, I'm writing this, I got this idea, you know, and she looked at me and her husband was was home for, for lunch. He'd come home for lunch and she looked at him and she said, I, and she was a social worker who had dealt with kids that had been, you know, harmed by pornography and harmed by sexual abuse. And 
she told me that about a month before, her best friend had called and said that her eight-year-old daughter, um, they had found out that she was looking at porn every single day on a device that they'd given to her when she turned eight. So basically, when she turned eight, the mom and you know told her about how babies are born, you know all that, and then they gave her an uh, internet-enabled device. And she looked up sex and got into porn and started looking at it every day after school. And her personality changed and she just became withdrawn and, um, you know, depressed and totally changed her, you know, how she kind of manifested herself. And um, then they found out that she was looking at porn. They got her some counseling, which was really good. But this gal, she, she for a month, my neighbor was just like, I don't know how to talk to my boys about pornography. I'm, you know, I've got a degree in this. I have no idea how to start. And then I come over, her next door neighbor, you know, usually I'm coming over with zucchinis from my garden. Right, you know, right, right. And I bring this book idea with like a script and she's like, this would be great. So she's actually, it's kind of funny. Wow. She's actually the person that we modeled and her kids, we use them as models for the drawings in the book. But um, then I, when then when I went to a counseling organization, a counseling conference, and um, I had so many counselors come up and say, "This is great, but how do I use it in my practice?" And that's when I got together with a, a, a counseling, a real professional, and wrote this "Good Pictures, Bad Pictures" guidebook for counseling kids. Nice. So that has um, so cool. 15 interventions, artistic, didactic, and kinesthetic, which are big words that mean, you know, you, we use art and movement and then kind of thought, um, imagination to help kids in a preventative way, but also in a kind of a therapeutic way. Are any schools using it? Well, what we have is a curriculum called Brain Defense Digital Safety. And we do have schools, I would say most of them are private schools, homeschool co-ops. Um, okay. We have found some difficulty getting in the public schools. Um, they seem to be okay talking about sex trafficking. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. most of them. Yeah. But the thing that's promoting sex trafficking, pornography, many of them don't want to talk about. But we're still trying and we have a brain defense digital safe. We have a family version. So it's video based and it's not taught by me. <laughs> it's taught by six uh, relatable teens that uh, are diverse and really show children that they're safer and happier and healthier if, you know, if they have good, um, safe tech habits. Amazing. Awesome. It, it's very empowering the work that you're doing. Um, I think the biggest thing that parents often feel in my experience is just a sense of powerlessness mm -hmm. like this is out there uh, you know i try to put filters but they're at their friends and i don't know and it just it all feels a bit overwhelming and then you know because most of us were not raised with like good education around this we don't have a model to mm -hmm. lean on mm -hmm. so like you said before it really is filling such an important need and over these past few years for us at Exodus Cry, we've just had this growing, growing and 
increasing um, awareness and sensitivity towards the importance of protecting children. Mm-hmm. The, the protections for children are being scaled back like never before. And the internet is still a city without walls right. where they're just exposed to so much. And so I think this is really fabulous and important work that you're doing to help empower both parents and children. Is there anything else that you'd like to talk about around this subject before we wrap up our time together? I would just say that anyone that is raising children today has my utmost respect and admiration. I am so proud of you and grateful for you. It's a tough job. The society we're living in is toxic to children. It really is. It's not helping parents. So I just want to give a big shout out to parents out there that are struggling and all of our work that we are doing with Good Pictures, Bad Pictures, Brain Defense, and everything, all the guides and everything, and the articles that we have on Defend Young Minds and on our social media channels, all of that is just to make your job a little easier. And I commend anyone raising children today. It's hard no matter when you're raising children, but today it's especially difficult. But there are some simple things that you can begin doing, um, and it doesn't take that long or that much effort. And I would say just get started and it gets easier. It gets so much easier. So get started. Download our free guide, uh, how to talk to kids about pornography or um, get pick up good pictures, bad pictures and just get started. And once you take that first step, just like anything, right? Once you take the first step, it's so much easier. I'm sure the first, first podcast you ever did yep. was probably a little nerve wracking. Yeah. Now you're like totally relaxed. I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's what happens is that parents become much more relaxed the more they do it and the more they normalize these conversations with their children. And, you know, pretty soon it becomes just like every other conversation you do, you have with your child to keep them safe from all, you know, all kinds of dangers. This is just one more of those dangers that you're teaching them about and that you're giving them tools to deal with. Totally, totally amazing. Thank you for that encouragement. And uh, I think this is this episode is going to speak to a lot of our constituents who are, we have a lot of um, moms that track with our work. And so, um, so I really hope that y'all are listening and taking this to heart and get this wonderful, amazing resource. Um, your website, one more time. DefendYoungMinds.com. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on our podcast. We're super honored to have you here and just once again, commend you for the absolutely important work that you're doing. Well, thank you for having me. Appreciate it. You can check out all our podcast episodes, articles, and films at ExodusCry.com and join the daily conversation by following Exodus Cry on all major social platforms. 